This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we mark Ukrainian Independence Day with advocate and former judge Mikhailo Zernikov. He tells us what this day means for Ukrainians and what Ukrainians need as the war hits its six-month mark. We dig into one of the surprising consequences of climate change with Greg Fish on the world of weird things. He tells us how extremists are using the climate crisis to their advantage under a bit of a disguise. And we dive into cancel culture's role in all of it. And Sir Christopher Gilbert joins us with the International Dispatch Live from Tokyo. Find out why people lost their jobs over a weather forecast, social media challenges for whales, it's weird, trust me, and other bizarre stories. I'll apologize in advance. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Good morning. Thank you very much for listening to the Shift. You ever overhear a conversation and be like, what did I just hear? Now, BK must agree with me that that was weird. Did you not hear that? Did you hear the, the conversation about the drinking vinegar and stuff that just happened here quietly? Did you? Apple cider vinegar was nature's energy drink. I agree with that statement, to be honest. Really? We shouldn't be bringing off-air conversations on the air, though. Yeah, we should, because Ryan's excited about drinking, like, tonic water and vinegar with a slice of lime and a and a shoe or something. I don't, what the heck was that, Ryan? At least bring me in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're on. <laughs> it's Chris. <laughs> well, I, so I don't understand. So what, you're drinking vinegar? Right. So I am... Hi, everyone. It's Chris. Um, it, I'm <laughs> trying not to drink so much alcohol. And so, yeah, I'm drinking as a substitute just until the neurons in my brain get a little bit rejiggered. Um, a lot of sparkling water. And uh, mixing it with, uh, obviously, ice to cool it down at summertime. And uh, flavored vinegars. But not a lot of flavored vinegar, just like a shot. And a, and a tall glass, a shot of uh, peach vinegar, a shot of apple cider vinegar. Um, and also, a few years ago, when I was doing a no-sugar diet and I had no energy, I used to carry around with me a little spray bottle of apple cider vinegar. And every time my energy dropped, just in the mouth, you know, and then you like Popeye, you know, your energy comes back. It was awesome. It works. Wow. I had no idea. This is oh. a, uh, I, I, I had no idea. Uh, okay. Go. Well, there you that. go. That ex- explains all the things. Let's get into the international dispatch then. Welcome to the international dispatch from our world citizen live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Hey, there he is. That's the strange voice on the other end of the uh, microphone. Oh, oh, wow. oh. hey, everyone. Yeah. Hi, Chris. Welcome back. Hi. Um, Hi. Thank you. It's great to see you. Yeah. Good and, to see you, uh, too. Thanks for coming in. Um, dab apple cider vinegar on sunspots on your skin. They will disappear. That's from Kevin. That's a conspiracy theory. Well, Kevin says it'll work. I don't know these things. Okay, well, that's completely not what we're going to talk about. How is life in Japan in your summertime and your vinegar drinking by the pool instead of alcohol kind of summer? Oh, mate, it's pretty good. I went down to, um, I don't know if everybody knows this, but Japan uh, has a little inland sea called Setochi. It's uh, right, I guess, I guess below Osaka, there's a big body of water and it's actually, you know, kind of a, a well, an inland sea. And in this inland sea, there are many islands. And on these islands is lots of art. And they're called the Art Islands. And they have a, a triennial art festival every three years. The most famous piece, which actually got washed away in a typhoon earlier this year, was um, a big yellow and black spotted pumpkin by an artist called Yayoi Kusama, who's very famous for all of her spotty art. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, we went down to the islands pretty much and uh, just hung out by the beach um ate some chicken like saw some art had a nice time and um but you know what i just i just really missed being back watching ryan eat toast while he's on the radio so uh Mm -hmm. i'm I'm stoked to be back here good well i'm glad i'm glad that when you just really want to watch somebody eat peanut butter toast that's this is the place to go this is truly it so christopher gilbert is in tokyo he's from new zealand then he was in japan then he was in canada he's back in japan again and he takes us on a tour of the world with the International Dispatch and a big, long list of cool places to go. Where shall we begin today, Chris? 
Hungary, I think, is the easiest、mm. one, but I put a lot of work into the headline, and I don't have it open in front of me. Do you have the headline there, Shane?、Or、I do. The、um, the flurry of forecast officials fired after a fake forecast of a foreboding front fizzled fireworks fiasco. That's right. Or a flurry of forecast officials fired after a fake forecast of a foreboding front fizzled fireworks fiasco. That's what I wrote.、Um, mm. A couple of、uh, weather forecasters in Hungary,、um, I believe that's the correct pronunciation, got fired after their forecast of a foreboding front fizzled, creating a fireworks fiasco.、Um, so what happened? Let me go to the story. Um, that's my headline, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. That's not、Very、from、well、the internet. That's a Chris Gilbert original, and、uh, you can take that one to the bank.、Um, Snaps. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you.、Um, the two top official, the two top officials. These are the head honchos at Hungary's meteorological service have been sacked after a gravely wrong, in quotation marks, rain forecast that. L- Gravely wrong. All right. Well, let, let's see how grave the situation yeah, was. Grave, Rain、be. forecast led to the postponement of a fireworks display, the annual Saint Stephen's Day display, which takes place along the Danube. Oh my God! Am I philistine? You say Danube, right? It is Danube River. Dan- Danube. Danube. Danube.、Oh、yeah. God, as soon as、yube. I said it. Danube. Okay. I won't. You know what? I don't know white people. The Danube River in the capital Budapest. Got that one right. It's billed as the largest in Europe, and it makes、uh, marks the most important national holiday in Hungary. It draws millions of spectators. Blah blah blah. It's a big fireworks show. But on Saturday afternoon, just hours before the first fuse was lit,、uh, it was called off because forecasts、uh, said extreme weather was coming. It was rescheduled for the following week. See, it's not gravely wrong. This forecast they just postponed the. Bloody thing,、um, but the expected storms never materialized.、Uh, Laszlo Polkovich, Hungary's minister of technology and industry, later announced that Cornelia Radic, the head of the National Meteorological Service, and her deputy had been fired,、uh, sparking accusations of political interference. This whole thing is weird. It's I why like the number of times in my home country, New Zealand, in your home country, Canada, in all countries, the weather forecast is wrong. Is I would say daily. The weather forecast、mm-hmm. is 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 magic. It's crystal ball reading. It's gypsyism. You know, it's it's not real. It's just to kill another you know ten minutes on the news. You know, to lighten up the mood after you've just heard about. You know, murders and wars and death for forty-five minutes. It's not a real thing. And then over in Hungary, they're firing people. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I can't believe it. Although, haven't you always kind of wondered how the weather person can literally go to work every day, be wrong every day, and still get paid? Where if you、yeah, and I, we went to our, any of us went to our job and we basically got our job absolutely wrong every day, we wouldn't still have a job. I mean, it depends what your job is. You know, like if your job is like I don't know, leader of the opposition, I think it's pretty much your job to be wrong every day, because it's just like all you want to do is be a contrarian. You just、mm-hmm. all, all you want to do is just be the guy that just yells across the hall wrong. You know, like that's all your job is, and so I think that's doing quite a good job. If you're wait, wait, but wouldn't that make the government wrong every day? I'm confusing myself, but yeah, I'm sure there are some <laughs> jobs out there where your job is to be wrong every day. Lion tamer, maybe. Is that really one you want to get wrong? Well, I think it's wrong to do it. Okay, now we're getting to a whole other territory. You know, I、mm. guess like a dolphin trainer is also wrong. You should put them、right. back in the ocean. You know, get that. The way we are, I don't. Okay, we are way、I'm, off. I tried to spark some life into that one, Shane, and I think it just fell on its face. Face. I'm sorry. <laughs> one might say that the、uh, foreboding front might have fizzled. Yeah, I think、um, it's 
fizzle this conversation. Let's move on <laughs> to the next foray. Well, speaking um, of dolphins in Spain, there's orcas. Nice. Yeah. Also in the ocean. Yes, there is orcas. Um, I think it's in Spain. I mean, like the story is France, Portugal, Spain, Mediterranean. Um, and it's, I, I, it's kind of been happening for a while. You might already know about it, but killer whales are attacking sailboats near Europe's coast. And NPR say scientists don't know why. That's not entirely true. Again, wrong. Scientists do kind of know why. Um, but apparently, whales, Shane and Brendan and Ryan and everybody, they love a good rudder. They just can't get enough of rudders. They see a rudder, they want a rudder. They take a rudder. And that's pretty much what the story is. Boats have been losing their rudders to hordes of hooligan um, limp biscuit listening orca whales just doing it all for the noogie smashing into boats um, just rolling 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 all over the ocean you know um, at one with point with red hats on backwards apparently exactly and like you know shorts that are actually you know Patagonia short shots but are pulled down so far they become three quarters at one point uh, a 37 foot sailboat was pushed 180 degrees okay wait Imagine that for a second, right? You're on a 37-footer. Well, I can't imagine that already, but you're on a boat and <laughs> you're just sitting there and then all of a sudden, poof, you know, oh, what was that? My boat is now facing like entirely the opposite direction suddenly. That must be flipping scary mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when a when an orca is just, you know, hovering around ramming your boat. Um, but yeah, they're, they're knocking the boats off rudders. Any guess as to why this might be happening? Anybody at all? Why would an orca want to whack a rudder? Maybe does it mistake it for a, another orca? It looks what? like a flipper. That was my guess. It looks like a boat with my guess. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's like got a black and white paint job and it's moving left to right. Yeah, and it's like, no way. No, this this could be my friend. No, not at no. all. Brendan, or, help no. me. Orcas communicate through echolocation. Yeah, so cool. if that oh, rudder is not echolocating back to them, like clicking back to them, they're not going to think it's another orca. They, uh, oh, okay. they, they they like stimulation and they like to play with humans. So they actually tell you to turn your, your motors off and stuff here in BC when you're out by the orcas. Oh, really? They do because yeah. it stimulates the whales? Yes. Yes. 100%. Oh. Well, nobody wants a stimulated whale. I mean, look what happens. So the real reason, and apparently, well, the real reason, I mean, it's science, right? So like, oh, there's another person who's wrong every day. Scientists. Because they have to be. They have to be wrong until they get it right. It's their job. Well, well, their job is to be not right. The difference between their job is to not want to be right. Their job is just to find the answer. But I think I go with Yeah, but you had to. You had to be wrong. Anyway, so the real reason is apparently whales go through uh, just much like us as uh, humans, uh, you know, limp biscuit loving humans. Um, by the way, I'm really interested to see what song is played at the, at the end of the segment. Um, this is what he's uh, trying to do. He's trying to, this is what Chris is up to. Chris always has an some... agenda. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently they go through cultural fads. Uh, these whales, so the, the mystery here is that, like, originally when the boats were being slammed, it was in a different part of, like, the Mediterranean or wherever it is, you know, near France, and they thought originally, okay, maybe it's just one pool of whales that is doing this, you know, like, some, and they are young men, apparently, like, there's a bunch of hooligan boys, a bunch of scallywags and ruffians just, you know, knocking boats around. But then it happened all the way over, like, around the coast, way, way away, somewhere near Spain, and they're like, well, this can't be the same pod. They wouldn't travel that far, apparently, they say. So the culture of rudder slamming or ruddering, oh God, thank God these things don't have Facebook challenges. Um, it must have spread. Um, and it's not the first time it's happened. Um, apparently in the past, they've also liked to enjoy uh, playing with shrimp and crab traps. And also, apparently, in uh, the good old summer of 1987, the, the time of my birth, um, they took quite a liking to the fashion of gutting a salmon and wearing it on its head, just parading a little salmon around like a hat. 
and they did that for approximately one or two seasons, and then the fad ended, and they never saw it again. Um, wow. So much like us, you know, they have um, fads, and right now, rudder slamming is in style, although a bit, pu- you know, a bit outdated, I, in my opinion. I can't be the only one that feels uncomfortable when you call it rudder slamming. Like, I feel like this is... Like what if it, yeah, it, you're right. What, what do you want me to call it? They're slamming oh, rudders. So yeah, if I, what you do with your rudders? They're is, not eating them, all right. You know, and also, can I just say, um, I think it's kind of cool. You know that, like, of all the things orcas could be doing, is just like rocking up. And I, I'm sorry, I have, I hope these people are billionaires. Like I, I hope some dude is just getting there. I just getting there. Now it's smashed now it's by better nature. because it smashes a rich person's. Oh, I would runner. love it. The only the only thing that could possibly be sweeter by that, but then that is, um, if you just see some douchebags like you know jet skiing past, and then this like a tail fin comes out of the water and just sends them flying a hundred feet through the air. That would be I can't imagine the people beautiful. who are in a kayak or a, on a paddleboard and then they have a bunch of whales that breach close by like that. Oh, my God. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I am terrified of everything, including the water and everything that lives in it. And um, hmm. I don't think humans should look at the water, uh, let alone, I mean, drinking it. Sure. But that's kind of where I stop with water. Oh, and washing, I wash. Hmm. I'm going to leave that out there. <laughs> Let's um, pull that one back onto the rails. <laughs> Let's make it super just, weird tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's just getting uh, kind of weird. Well, we can stay with the sea, f- sea theme and go to New Zealand, if you like, since we're talking uh, about we've got a lot uh, of ocean-faring stories here between Greece and New Zealand. I mean, okay, I, I'll I'll do it, but because it's New Zealand, it's my country of my home, and it's kind of cute, but I don't know why it's news. Um, seal mm. breaks into a New Zealand home. Okay, well, first of all, don't cast judgment on the seal in the first sentence, all right? Seals don't break into homes. They're animals. They find themselves in a house. Animals don't naturally live. They don't build houses, so they definitely don't break into them. But the headline is Seals breaks into a New Zealand house, uh, traumatizes a cat, and hangs out on the couch. Also very subjective. No one has asked the cat how it feels about this. Um, A curious young seal has been returned to the sea after breaking into a New Zealand home, harassing, again, very judgy, the cat, hanging out in the hallway for about a couple of hours while the children slept upstairs. (laughs) It's it's very ominous. That would be so cool to come downstairs to, like... Just come downstairs as a seal on the couch. But do they call seals like the dogs of the sea? So, of course, it should terrorize a cat. Have you seen a seal? Like in real life? Anybody. Yeah, like IRL. Yeah, yeah like any, a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay, yeah. I was wondering. Because, like, oh, yeah, yeah. BC, of course. Yeah, Calgary. But, yeah, like, BC, um. BC, sure. Yeah, we'll go with There's BC. lots of them in Calgary. Yeah. Are there, what? You don't have any water in Calgary, do you? <laughs> I'm only kidding. I used to live on the West Coast. <laughs> okay. Anyway, anyway, um, in Wellington, where I'm from, they're just everywhere. You know, like they just you go down to the beach, like you know, seals. You know, and so you know, you can, you can walk, walk. Why don't I say walk? Walk amongst them. You know, and they're very sweet. You know, I wouldn't go near the pups too much because they get a bit uppity about that. Um, but seals are very sweet, so I totally agree that if I came downstairs in the morning and the seal on the couch, I'd be stoked. Um, the Ross family of Mount Monganui, which is in the North Island, uh, were more than a little surprised to find the New Zealand fur seal in their home 150 metres from the shore. Um, apparently, the lady, uh, Mrs. Ross, Jen Ross, um, if you want to stalk her, there's her full name. What was her name? To work. Do I Jen Ross? <laughs> Sorry, I think that's funny. Why is why because it's a because it's two first names because it's a lady and a man's first name together. No, because it sounds like generous. That's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> generous. That's like um, that's like my fake name for the cops when or, or like or whenever someone asks for my name and I don't want to give it, I always say my name is Bob Frapples. Oh, very good. See, Bob Frapples. Generous. Oh, 
Do we uh, do we even need to finish the story? I don't even know. No, we don't. There's a seal in the house. Like that's it's a seal in the house. Back in the, and they put it back in the ocean. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, I was talking about ducks and how there seems to be this trend that everybody wants to have a pet duck now because it's all on the internet that ducks are cute. And I, you know, I mean, if you're going to have a pet that's different, like a duck is cool. I think a seal is cool. It's just, you know, have a little tub thing for it. I mean, Brennan's not big oh. on the capturing wild animals for pets, but you know. I saw, first of all, wait, I've got two things about that. First of all, had people only just realized that ducks are cute? Like, did we need the internet to to learn that ducks are cute? Because I'm pretty sure they've always been cute. Mm -hmm. Secondly. I I agree. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, mm. Secondly, uh, I was in town, a part of Tokyo the other day called Shimokitazawa, and I saw a person walking a meerkat on a leash. (sighs) On a leash? On a leash. Like on a like on a little you know a little what do you call them a lead a leash like leash. yeah a collar yeah what, what, and it's hold, standing in the middle of town holding a meerkat and I was like all right don't do that like like I'm with Brendan like duck is fine because you know ducks are everywhere they're populous you know the ducks a ducks a duck but like a meerkat in Tokyo is not natural that is a wild animal and you have no right to it and also how did you get it. How did you get that meerkat? You did not get it by ethical means. I know you didn't because you can't go buy a meerkat at Target. It doesn't happen. You know, like, anyway, I, I digress. But I'm, I'm sort of with Brendan on the on the don't, you know, bring wild animals into your home side of things. Hmm. Well, with that, I uh, we draw to a close the International Dispatch of the, uh, the, the wildest of the dumpster fires uh, here on the shift. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming back. And not forgetting about yeah. us. Appreciate yeah, no, I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget. And it's a very memorable experience every time. And uh, yeah, see you guys next week. This is the Shift Podcast. Today is the 31st Independence Day of Ukraine. Mikhailo Zernikov joins us. Hi, Mikhailo. Hi, hi, uh, hi, guys. How, how, hi, hello, everybody. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I Very, caught you off guard. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I that's, I that's I was thinking about something else. Um, yeah, uh, no very, very nice. To, very nice to hear you, Shane. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's been a little bit as, as I was off last week, so it is great to hear you and uh, hear your voice too. I believe the last time you and I were texting, you were uh, hiding in the laundry room because it was not a good day in Ukraine. Now, today is, uh, at least in spirit, a very good day. Mikhailo, before we get into the goings-on of the day today, I was wondering if you could tell us, I believe it's 31st, it is the independence of Ukraine officially declared from the USSR and a special day for Ukrainians today. What is the significance of this day for you? Oh, that's huge. Well, uh, to begin with, I, I did wake up uh, also today in the in the uh, laundry room because of the um, oh, air alarm. Uh, because yes, well, you know, the government issued warnings and and, you know, and 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 many others that you know Russia is preparing something, and, and of course they're the maniacs, so they they always um, do these things to dates like so that they, they have big significance for them. So that is why they you know and they also want to spoil the holiday. So that is why you know we're expecting for, for, for you know more of this to come. But uh, uh, that doesn't spoil actually the the mood because it is overwhelming and it is um, people all around. I mean, social media everywhere. You see how um, energized and how hopeful and how um, you know just how positive, uh, despite all uh, everybody is, and it's because it's so. It's the thirty-first uh, yes year since we gained or regained our independence from the, from the from Russia, actually from the Soviet Union. But uh, we well, we have a thousand-year-old history, and of course we're still you know it is. 31, but as, as, as a modern independent state as it is right now, but before that we had stayed for hundreds of years, and actually millennia, if we count Kiev and Rus and, and then what, what happened here before. Um, we, I think we also have to kind of find out and, and to agree among, amongst ourselves uh, what how many years of Ukraine there are, because 31 is definitely not 
um, what it's all about because Ukraine again ha- has status for for uh, many more years and and we there's growing mood that we have to also think about this like the Baltic states like many others that we did not emerge 31 years ago we regained our independence 31 years ago and that's important. Uh, Mikhailo, I'm going to ask you if you can move a little bit. The cell signal is not the greatest of where you oh, are. Sorry, uh, just so you know. That's oh, okay. Sorry. No okay. Is, is this is this better? Yeah, it sounds a little bit better. I'll let you know if it's uh, if it's breaking up just a little bit there. Um, on this okay, day, sure. you guys have these um, blown up tanks. I've seen some photos. The BBC's had some great photos of yes. you know kids kind of jumping on, jumping off the tanks, couples walking by. Uh, a a a, a positive reminder of successes during the war, also a very heavy weight on the shoulders of Ukrainians to walk around and see the gravity of how dreadful this situation is. How does it feel for you uh, to to see your brothers and sisters of your country to walk by those uh, those uh, military pieces? That's an interesting feeling because, uh, yes, on one hand, you, you can see how, and it's, of course, it's a small part of, of what, you know, we, we re- retrieved from the battlefield and, and brought to Kiev. Uh, there's, there's many, I don't know how many times there, there there's, there's literally thousands of, uh, you know, um, tanks and, and other armored vehicles that we uh, destroyed, the, the, the Russian ones that, that were in Ukraine, and many more are still operating. That's, that's, that's bad. On the other hand, um, that's the... I think it's brilliantly done. It, 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 this is this is basically a joke on on uh, and, and a huge trolling of of uh, Russia and its uh, uh, ambitions and and its uh, aggressive war. Because what they wanted to do is to parade on Khrushchev Street. I know three days after they uh, started this military full scale military aggression. Now now actually their tanks are on Khrushchev, but in a different shape and in a different, very different context. So that is why um, I think it's it's a powerful message sent to the whole world, to Russia itself first of all, but then to everybody else that uh, you know it's not it's not a second army in the world. It can be defeated. It's. Uh, uh, it's not what they, uh, what the Russian propaganda says. It's not. It's not what the world believes. And uh, you know, if we, uh, like the president yesterday said on the, during the Crimea platform, that you know, in 2014 that they, they attacked us and they, they annexed Crimea and then the next parts of of Donbas in the east, and uh, uh, and then nobody gave them a wallop. And that is why they, you know, they continue doing what what they what they were doing. Now we're giving them a wallop. And I think that's that's a that's a very powerful message to to the who should not be afraid of Russia and uh, these I don't know if bullies is the right word but these, these countries these maniacs actually they're doing these things they have to absolutely be treated like uh, you know like maniacs and like, and like somebody who the message should be clear to Russia and to everybody else if you do something like this you will not come out of this well yeah, and it's uh, it's it's become really wild. Um, I mean, I thought it was wild in the beginning six months ago, but it is, it is wild. That's for sure. Can you, Mikhailo, describe for us maybe a year ago, what does Independence Day? Uh, maybe a year ago is not great because of COVID. Uh, maybe back when yeah. you remember Independence Day, when it was, um, you know, when when Ukrainians were truly living into it. What did Independence Day look like in Ukraine? Oh, you know, um, I don't know if it's if it's anything. Uh, well, first of all, it like centuries ago, literally. Of first of all, the, you know, the the the, the timescale of the war is very different than you know. If if you add to that a couple of years of COVID, then it's oh my God, it's like three years ago seems like literally a different century. But um, what it what did it look like? Um, you know, flags everywhere, good mood, you know, your usual stuff. I think it's, it's very much like the independence or the national day of, of uh, um, other countries if they had not, you know, uh, to regain their independence from uh, empires or, or, or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it was just everybody, you know, also par- there were military parades. We, re- we re- redid them. Of course, we did not see the necessity for it before Russia attacked us in 2014. But uh, after that, we had to kind of collect our spirits and, and show to everybody that we also are, you know, militarily were capable of defending ourselves, which we are proving now very much. But, um, yeah, that that we also had. And, uh, but, but of course, it, it was it was very different from a point of view. Now we really understand what what it is all about and how we now it's there's lots of on social media there's lots of messages like in back in 1991 we thought that we you know got our independence or regained our independence um, quite easily you know without a, a single drop of blood or, or, and whatnot. But 
now we are so it was just delayed it, it wasn't you know you can't you can't really i don't know if there is one example in the world where you where you uh gain your independence from the empire and the national uh, liberation war does not uh ensue so that's 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 a huge uh lesson over there yeah and it usually independence is not a pretty process in a lot of ways right so there yeah, absolutely it's, it's yeah it's quite ugly so, so that what, yeah. um but yeah, so that's, that, that costs a lot and we have to remember that yeah, and, and that's for sure. And yet at the same time, look what it starts to create. That's what you work for every day is to work out corruption, create the new democratic version of Ukraine. That also does not happen uh, very quickly. Yeah. It does take time and, and to be able to work towards that. Um, Mikhail Zarenikov joins us here. He's live from Ukraine. And uh, so what does this day, this Independence Day, look like so far? Because you're tiptoeing towards lunchtime and you... Yeah. um you know, it's everyone's very cautious. There's been all kinds of warnings of retaliation with some of the news things that have gone on with Russia lately. What does this day look like? Is it pretty subdued so far? Well, it's it's um, first of all, it's very sunny and very you know, there, there's still some holiday spirit, if if uh, if I can say so. Um, well, um, it also kind of looks like a normal day, but of course, again, like uh, the the the. The mood is there. The, the, the people are sharing greetings and everything. People are, you know, it's also the six months exactly right now, 24th. Uh, it's a six months, half a year of the war, which also, very, which is also very symbolic. So uh, it's it's not a it is a national holiday, but it's not a day off. Uh, it it used to be, but now we don't have those because of the war. So that's that's the decision of the government to basically for everybody to work uh, every given day and and. Uh, give it all to for the victory and everything and of course there's there's, there's always uh again I, I have to use this opportunity shane if i if you let me uh to advocate a little bit and uh, uh tell everybody that you know it's this the, the war is still very real it's still going on it's still undecided and uh, i like it very much how uh the president's office advisor Mihaila Podlak said it what a couple of days ago he said it, it's basically a cost to one russian yacht uh that could overturn this war that, that could basically decide the fate of this war it's about about 50 HIMARS systems uh that uh, are now now i think it's about a couple dozen operating in ukraine maybe maybe less but they're 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 proved to be amazingly effective and, and the ukrainian army proved to be amazingly capable of of uh using them to uh to stall russian uh, uh advances and to to try to overturn it but it's still not enough so please everybody on this day i i i plead to everybody in the in the civilized world pl please um address your politicians to give um more heavy weapons to ukraine so we can overturn it and we can if like one also one colleague of mine said if you give it like drop by drop then then of course you kind of prolonging the war because it's you no, know, it's going and going, and we're just replacing what we what was on the on the battlefield. What we need right now is you know a heavy influx, a big influx of a, of a heavy weapons to to just draw them away from from our waters and forget about it. Well, not forget yeah. about it, but at least to stop this to stop this madness. Yeah, I get the cliche. I mean, that's the sort of the death by a million cuts sort of notion, right? Like you can have a needle and that works really, really well. Um, but if you had a bulldozer, that sure would help, right? Um, and those are the kinds of uh, metaphors. You know, the necessity of not, of not you know, of overly, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, not to start the third world war nuclear whatever but many people also say you know the third world war already started what what do you what are they doing so uh what i'm trying to say not to escalate a lot not not to turn into uh, not to make it spur out of control but uh definitely uh we need more in order to in order to defend ourselves in order to, to turn this around yeah yeah okay well let's take this perfect example to talk about crimea because boy some of these new tools have sure come in helpful at reminding those folks who have been sitting in in cabanas on the beach in crimea that that war is happening in their backyard and um there have oh, been yeah. some incredible successes that have come out of uh the ukraine military uh, in what's been happening can you give us a bit of an update on what's been going on there yeah uh there's lots of um um Lots of explosions actually on the occupied territory, and what is Russia doing? It's not. It's not just. Oh, it's. It's not about reminding you know um, uh, Russian uh, um, people who go to the beach in Crimea, um, um, holiday people, whatever. Uh, it's. It's about destroying the the, the military 
infrastructure of Russia that is used to attack Ukraine that is actually that that actually is uh, on on Ukrainian soil in Crimea that is now occupied uh, and uh, again it's it's been amazing we, we use different weapons not only HIMARS but that, that one in particular was uh, proved to be amazingly uh, effective and and it's actually it's not my words it's Pentagon words who said uh, on the scale of zero to ten we're giving Ukrainian army twelve. Um, <clears throat> on how they're doing, how are they performing lately? Because they said they're doing the things that were not, what we thought were not possible. So that's that's exactly their words, or almost exactly their words. Um, so that, that's, I mean, the the, the the heroism and and the professionalism of Ukrainian army. I mean, everybody. So of course, it's hugely popular. You know, if, if, if it starts to describe even how how the armed forces are now in Ukraine. Of course, everybody deifies them basically and that's that's for a good reason and um uh yes and again uh, i think russians start russians start to understand i think it's, it's an overestimation but uh at least you know there's uh, tens of miles long and maybe more um traffic jams people trying to leave crimea because they suddenly understand that you know oh the war is going on so in their minds it's some special operation military to do some to kill some bad ukrainians whatever that is um, in Russian propaganda, and then uh, um, and, uh, and then suddenly they they realize that that's actually the full scale war is going on, and and I think it's it's a good realization. I'm not I'm not naive. We're not expecting that you know all Russian people will understand something um, suddenly, but uh, it, I think it's a good development that they also um, at least some of them begin to understand something, and and there's, there's some things that that are becoming less and less uh, attractive and desirable to uh, Russian population and to the Russian power. What is the general tone like, Mikhailo? I mean, I know that, uh, and I'm not going to get into our personal conversation by any means, yeah. but, you know, you did share that in, in trying to get a little bit of time away from work, you still end up working, just end up working differently. Oh, yeah. Um, that must be exhausting for everybody, yourself included. What is the general tone, something we haven't talked about in a couple of months, of your friends, your colleagues, your family, when you get together, because I can only imagine that if every conversation is about this, it must be burdensome. It must be heavy. It must be a lot to oh, take. Crazy, of course. Um, yeah. How are you guys doing? You doing all right? Yeah. Um, I think we're we're coping quite all right. I, I know there's there's lots of PTSD, and everybody will will have it. I mean, I I used to jump literally a little bit uh with every uh, loud sound after a uh, missile hit uh, a building that was like 500 meters away from uh, uh from my apartment and it was it was super loud and it was super scary to be honest so it's uh i mean it's 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 heavy uh, and it's not easy but uh at the same time we're trying to live the normal life because you know for the first few months at least for me i thought okay whatever it is whatever life is quote unquote uh let's Let's put it, you know, um, for after the victory, now we have to concentrate on one thing, help the country win the war. But then we understand that, you know, first of all, the victory may not come and probably will not come in the next days or even months, um, uh, definitely not days or weeks. Uh, then second, it might not come as one, you know, one event where we go like, oh, now we won, period, everything is over. It will not be like this. It will not be like this for years because we have to, again, we have to turn this around. We have to liberate the territories. We have to rebuild things. We have to mourn the losses. We have to, so it's, there's, there's lots of things that have, that have to be done that are not uh, easy. Uh, so uh, at the same time, we have to keep our sanity and we have to go on with our lives somehow in order to, again, it's a marathon. So you have to, you have to have energy and you have to have stamina to run it so you have to uh even if you for some reason think you, you don't have time or you'd rather do uh, some other thing no you have to have some holidays you have to have some days off you have to have some normality in your life to to sit with your friends to you know to enjoy uh, i don't know to, to watch a movie to, to 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 just walk to to do normal people stuff uh normal human stuff in order to just not go mad that's so that's that's what yeah. what i'm trying to do and that's that's i think what what generally the the, the sense in the population is is um, is about well you got to protect all the people um this is incredible yeah. for you uh what a day today i i we would say happy independence day i don't know if that's how you address it in ukraine um but i um 
Yeah, and I wish you the best day today. I hope that all of the bluster around this day turns out to be nothing. And um, I look forward to hearing how you were able to spend a little time present to the magic that is your country and what you're working towards in all of your work that you do and you guys do at your organization as well. Me too. Thank you so much, Shane. And thank, thank you, Canada. Thank, thank, thank you, the whole wide world, uh, the, the civilized world, for uh, helping Ukraine and supporting Ukraine. It really means a lot. I mean, there's, I saw your, Shane, I saw your pictures of sunflowers in front of, you know, on your porch. That's, that's amazing. That, that's really heartwarming. And it's just to remind you, every, every tiny bit, every symbol, every reminder, every five cents that you send to, to support Ukraine, it all matters a lot. And it, and it greatly helps us all. So please continue doing this. Do not forget about us. And, and we sure not will forget about you. So thank you very much. Yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely. Which, by the way, some of the other um, audience listeners have sent in their pictures of uh, sunflowers, too. So it's worked out quite well. Um, Mikhailo Zernikov in Ukraine. Thanks for being here. We will talk to you again soon, my friend. Talk soon. This is the Shift Podcast. We go all the way down to California. He's got a blog. It's a podcast. It's all kinds of things. The basic foundation of it all is it's weird. It's time for Greg Fish. Welcome to the world of weird things with Greg Fish. All right. Well, Fishy, not quite sure what you got here in store for us now. The link is up at uh, shiftheads.ca, the future climate warlords of Northern California. What the hell? Well, I mean, I wrote a whole article about it. Well, yeah, but, but I'm hoping it, you'll explain it because it sounds the image is like something out of Mad Max. Thank you. I was going for that. Uh, oh. But no, in all seriousness, this is actually me uh, trying to be a little bit lighthearted about something absolutely freaking terrifying uh, okay. and something that I absolutely feel like we, we, we need to discuss sooner rather than later. Uh, okay. So in Mariposa County in Northern California, uh, there was a forest fire, and it was pretty bad. Uh, we had uh, a lot of resources dedicated to trying to control that fire. Um, and as part of that resource, there were un- some not very nice gentlemen in fatigues coming in to uh, cook breakfast for people who were uh, evacuated from the fire. But the interesting thing that went along with the breakfast were links to recruitment uh, to their recruitment papers. And uh, the recruitment documents were for a group called Echo Company, which sounds vaguely militaristic, right? Like it, yeah, it, kind it, of, yeah. It sounds, yeah, it, it sounds a little, Echo Company, a little strange. Go. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of where they went with it. Uh, and they're a splinter group of an organization called the California State Militia. And they were mm-hmm. splinter group because they were kicked out for uh, what the uh, California State Militia said was militant activity and incitement uh, at the peak of the pandemic. So essentially, uh, they are conspiracy theorists who believe that uh, COVID was a bioweapon that is manufactured to uh, essentially make uh, enslave the world and that the 2020 election was rigged and it should be either redone or the entire government should be overthrown violently. And Mm. they are currently out there posing as, you know, your typical civil group and they're just trying to help. Um, And when the local authorities pointed out that, hey, uh, these guys are actually like a far right militia that believes in the violent overthrow of the government. Their defense was, we're just making pancakes and sausages and we're getting like attacked for helping people when the government can't step in and help everybody as they can't even try and fight this fire. So the local authorities kind of had to back off a little bit and say, well, you know, they're not great, but at least they helped out this time. And mm-hmm. here's here's the really interesting thing about this. There are some documents created by this very, very liberal group of environmentalists that is known as the Pentagon that actually warns of extremist groups coming into overwhelming events and crises and problems caused by climate change 
and essentially stepping in for local authorities and and muscling themselves in and saying like we are the people who are providing the services now and this is very much similar to how ISIS operated. Uh, they had this essentially playbook called Management of Savagery. Uh, they would go into failed states and failed regions, essentially start providing all these services, seeming like these really, really nice people who just want to help. And oh, by the way, they have some literature they would like you to read uh, that talks about how you're actually being oppressed. And the only thing you should really be worried about to end that oppression is to join with them, pick up a gun, and violently assault anyone who uh, assault anyone who's in your way. And this is something that actually uh, the Pentagon has been warning about for like the last ten years. And usually they focus on failing states or um, states that are already really kind of barely hanging on in terms of their geopolitical power and stability. But this particular example shows that even wealthy and seemingly organized states are not immune to the same problem. So it's it's kind of like, wow, they, they really nailed this. They just uh, they just kind of picked some of the uh, some of the wrong places. They had they, they they didn't or rather they didn't add some of the places we need to worry about this. Okay, so for the sake of uh, discussing it, there uh, I get all that. But it is there there's an equal argument on both sides to say that while there is equally as militaristic uh, folks on the other side, right? Like one thing that that seems to get done here is that the and God, I'm not defending people that, you know, are saying, let's take over governments and be all militaristic and violent about it. I'm not doing that. But in the in the scope of all of it, on the spectrum, if you will, there is equally the other side of it that is equally as manipulating and they're equally to do it right like in the conversation of the wokeness the conversation of the wokeness is a rebellion to the wokeness and so for for when people say that i can't believe that these people they're so not woke well that's because the pendulum for some people is swinging too far one way and so they're pulling back it's like a tug of war and when when these stories happen there is clearly a tug of war that is going on. Now, to your point about making pancakes, it is nice to make pancakes. There's not many people who will turn down a good pancake. But the reality is, is that just like these dreadful uh, agendas with violence make pancakes to bring people in, uh, people who lie about warm, fuzzy, fluffy things also make pancakes to bring people in. Is it really that different? And how do you see it's different? Yeah, it, there's an immense difference for the simple reason that, you know, it, you're, it's kind of like complaining, uh, like com comparing a flu to metastatic brain cancer. On the one hand, you have people who are going to be obnoxious and potentially give you a hard time at worst. They'll call you some bad things on the internet and you're going to have to shut down your social media maybe for a week. And on the other hand, there are people who are literally, hey, let's get some weapons and overthrow the government and kill mm -hmm. anyone who disagrees with us. Like that is, that is a massive, massive leap. Well, I get that. I just, I want to bat this ball around a little bit, but when you have this one group that they will cancel culture, anybody who says anything that disagrees. And we had this happen here in Canada. We had it happen with our prime minister. When in India, the farmers were standing up against the government. He said to the Indian government, you guys need to listen to these people. And there was a lot of things that happened inside the farmers in India. There was some good protests, some healthy protests. There was some nasty. There was all kinds of stuff that happened. But then when it came to protests in Canada, he's telling the Indian government they need to listen, even though they disagree. But when protests happened in Canada, the prime minister here was uh, saying, if you don't agree with us, we don't want to talk to you. So that that's happening in the world today, right? Like, So how is it different, I realize, uh, the scope of uh, guns and, and killing uh, is, is really off the edge of the spectrum. But if you're looking to literally destroy someone's reputation, spread lies online, destroy their career, and gang up on people in cancel culture, is it really that different than um, what these other groups are doing? I don't think it's that different. I'm not endorsing killing anybody, but I'm also not endorsing the fact that you've got to cancel people because you disagree with them. Well, again, I, I have to point out that you're comparing, you know, a public shaming, which people can get over. But it's and not even in, true in a lot of cases. And in a case, and in the case of these overreactions, they can 
essentially say, first of all, this isn't true. And second of all, a lot of people are getting tired of it. So whenever someone brings up this, you know, great con- yep. cancellation, there's the pushback of saying, well, is that really pe- true? Why are you just doing this again? That's the pendulum. But, yeah. but Yeah. But on the other hand, you have people who are basically saying that they they won't ruin they won't cancel you and they won't like ruin your job and they won't spread rumors about you they'll just come to your house and kill you like Mm -hmm. this is again like there's not i know that there's this this great temptation in a lot of these stories we want to say okay well this is what this side is doing and this is what that side is doing because that seems very objective but the reality is when one side is literally demanding heads on spikes literally and the other side is saying well we're going to run this person out of polite society who's with me to post nasty things about them on social media that people are believing less and less and less and less because we've just Mm -hmm. overdone it like there's not there's not much a comparison there what i think the conversation needs to be if you want to talk about manipulative aspects is you could say that someone would take the story that I'm, that I'm talking about, like with Echo mm-hmm. Company, and they would look at events that are happening in Syria, events that are happening in the Horn of Africa, because Somalia is another one of those stories that this is a, this is a country that essentially collapsed because of massive climactic changes that effectively caused famines and the social disruption so severe that the government could not could not survive. Um, and saying that, well, unless you buy my carbon offsets, unless you buy this Prius, unless you buy this electric car, then this is what's going to happen. People will literally come to your house and kill you. So you could say that this is, okay, this is way too drastic. You, you can't you can't force everyone to buy an electric car. You can't force everyone to go green in five minutes by threatening them with, yeah. with death and violence. I, but is and, this really and I know that there's people... I know that there's people who do that. So that, if you want to talk about manipulativeness from the other side, that would be that. Would be that. But I think what I want to pull again, apart, though, is I want to pull apart laws are agreements. We all have live by agreements. And by paying taxes and getting your driver's license and those things, we agree to things. We agree to the laws of the land, and we agree to the implied laws of the land as well. And so that's what that is. So the reality is, is is that when you break the agreement, there is consequences that of breaking the agreement. That's the murder part. But when you out of this, not you, I, I got to change that. When people go um, and they they go and they take over blocks of, of cities and do all kinds of things that um, are also breaking agreements out of the spirit of doing good because they disagree with other people, I think that we have to pull out the left and the right out of it. Now, you are, uh, you do live in America and it is different in Canada. We don't speak of things quite that same way. And, um, but I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, is that again, it boils down to the tug of war, tug of war. And there's this massive tug of war that's going on. And so breaking agreements is one thing. Look, if you're in any group anywhere that says, Hey, by the way, if we don't like you, we're going to kill you. That's not acceptable. So why is it this other group's responsibility? Why isn't it? the government slash police's responsibility to deal with it. Well, it definitely is their responsibility, but part of the problem is that they are overwhelmed. And it, again, I, can, I can't speak for Canada. I can speak for the United States. Uh, yeah. But in the United States, the culture is very much that uh, we're supposed to not like the government. We're supposed to hate and fear the government. Like the government does nothing good. The government has no it's good the solutions. Craziest, the government has, it's the craziest yeah, the government thing about has the Republic no ideas mentality, ever. right? And it's, yeah. it's the craziest thing because then at the same time, though, uh, if you go fight for your country, like it's, I, it's the weirdest thing to me that it's, 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 it's like Star Wars to me because there's always the rebels and there's always, you know, the, uh, imperial people and, and, and they, they all, they all fight all the time and there's always the bad guys. There's always the good guys, but yet, right? Don't trust the government, but by the way, sign up to protect it. It's the craziest. It's I, I find it wild. I've lived in I've lived in America most of my life. I can't explain it either because it, it, that's exactly right. You should go fight for your country, but also you should hate the government. That you mm-hmm. should sign up to fight for it because that will make you a hero. Huh? Mm-hmm. I, I I've that's always weird. had trouble reconciling that. I've always had so and, and this that, is kind of the that must this be, is really be the woven through some of this too though, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. So actually, Echo Company is an extreme version of that, where this whole you should not trust the government ever uh, becomes you should oppose the government always. And then a lot of these militias have crossovers with the sovereign citizen movement, which is very similar to what you're seeing with the so-called Queen of Canada. Like this is exact. She's essentially borrowed um, America's sovereign citizen ideology and somehow made herself queen of the sovereign citizens, which also doesn't make sense. But that's the thing. It doesn't have to because the identity of certain people is in opposition to someone because they need that purpose in life. They, you know, this is this is the thing that we talked about when people get really bored, when you don't give people a productive outlet for their passion, when you don't have people feel like they're being heard when you don't have people mm -hmm. feel like they have a purpose they latch on to things that allow them to do stuff like i'm going to fight for the freedom of the citizens against the evil government and there's people who are ready to monetize that because there's there's a whole crew of pundits and scammers and and influencers who are ready to take advantage of you and your money, uh, if yeah. you ascribe to that wow. to those particular theories. So this Social is media kind of platforms are doing it right. They're they're the ones yeah. that are connecting the dots for so many of these people because they're finding people with like interests. Exactly, and then they're also again they're they're prioritizing outrage. So they're going to take something very similar to those recruitment documents and that's and that's the other part of it you know you get those echo company recruitment documents after they they cooked you breakfast and you look at them and you're like yeah that's kind of like what i saw on my facebook i think they i think these people have a point let's uh let's go take over the government let's go hang mike pence mm -hmm. uh like they were chanting during the the insurrection on january 6th so this is you know this is this is really nasty noxious stuff and where the climate change part comes in is that when you start having these really complicated out of control events and storms and things for which in our infrastructures weren't built and which for which governments aren't ready because you have people who are who are protesting the government's ability to be ready for these things who are denying that these problems are coming you mm. give these groups more and more room to multiply more and more room to recruit and they are very much functioning like warlords if you look at kind of their end game you're looking at something very similar to ISIS. You're looking at something, at something very similar to Taliban. Like these are groups that eventually want to take over and rule by force as much as they, as much territory as they possibly can. And this is usually how they operate. So the last thing that you want is you is to turn your fairly prosperous, wealthy country into essentially a fragmented state ruled by warlords. And mm. this is something that could could be possible if you don't take climate change seriously and you don't say, hey, wait a minute. So if we elect the government and the government works for us and we make sure that the government actually does the things that we need in order to solve the problems and we actually focus on that, not on whatever Facebook or Twitter or, or some scammer are telling us we need to be afraid of, then maybe we can be ready for this and this is not going to be a problem. Well, I think that the evidence in what you're saying is that uh, truly, which, by the way, Greg and I are not stepping over each other. We have a bit of a delay on the connection, so it's hard to time it. Um, the 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 people think that there is a left and a right in politics. And I think that what everybody needs to really get a grasp of is that there is not left and right. It is very much a circle or a sphere. And there is a very fine line when authoritarianism and totalitarianism meet at the bottom of that sphere. And those two notions of left and right start to cross over. That's what we're really starting to see right now. When Greg says you have these stereotypical right groups that are dancing in the world of climate in order to get more power. And that's, that's where it becomes confusing and scary. And they are so far ahead in the positioning that they're doing than we see all the time. It's fascinating fish. I really appreciate a good debate about it because we need to be able to talk about these kinds of things. So we all can recognize that it, it's going to get more confusing until we get a, a grip on some responsibility in this massive propaganda web that's happening, without a doubt. I think that's kind of where I land on it anyway. 
Yeah, absolutely. Debate is great, and we should be open to debating uh, all, all aspects of this issue. And if you want to know more about this intersection between authoritarianism and the extreme right and the extreme left, look up horseshoe theory. This is actually very well documented and, and very well detailed. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you very much for well, <laughs> thank you very much you, for a great debate. No, <laughs> why don't, no, it's great. I love it. And it's it's not debating to argue. It's debating to uh, kind of break things down. So why don't you uh, go comment, Fishy, on, on some of the horseshoe theory stuff on the bottom of the post because the post is on the Facebook page. So it's there for you. And uh, for everyone else to read, so you can read it too. And if you want to learn more, then go learn more. It's always a pleasure, Fish. Nice to see you. It's been a couple weeks. Yep, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.